Hello and welcome to Dismantle Racism, where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. We want to create a world where racial equity really does exist and it becomes the norm. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC, and today's episode, we will be talking about the power of legacy and culture. I am so excited uh, to bring today's guest here who will really talk about some of her own legacy, but the legacy that we learn from our African-American heritage that helps us to move forward and to begin to dismantle some of our, our learning that we have around history and who the contributors are of history. But as always, I wanna take a moment to center us so that we can be fully engaged in this conversation and we can fully be open to listen and to learn. So if you will, just for a moment, I invite you to quiet your mind. Take a moment to just find your breath, to tune in to that which gives you life. Take a moment to connect with divine wisdom in your sacred source. Notice your breathing. Notice when you're breathing what your thoughts are. And just breathe in and out. Finding your rhythm. Finding your flow. Recognizing if you feel any tension in your body, if you feel any stress around this conversation, remind yourself that you are loved and that you are love itself. Breathe in and out the knowledge that you are a part of a shared humanity. And you carry within you the power to heal and the power to be a part of changing the status quo. Breathe in the knowledge that before you ever came into this world, that there were your ancestors who came before you, your ancestors who had hopes and dreams for you your ancestors who poured into our shared humanity so that you would have a different world, a world that was filled with hope and faith and with a sense that everyone deserved to be loved, deserved racial equity, deserved to be free of stereotypes and hatred and bondage. So just as your ancestors that came before were aware of this, breathe in the fact that they have done some work that has brought you to this place today and that you stand on their shoulders and that they have empowered you to do the work that you're called to do to dismantle racism. So just breathe in that knowledge. Breathe in that empowerment. Breathe in that love. 
breathe in that faith in yourself. And breathe in hope for our shared humanity. Take a deep breath in. Sigh it out. And let's begin. You know, we've heard that old adage that what you don't know doesn't hurt. But I really believe that what we don't know really does hurt. We have been miseducated in this country and we see this conversation going around about critical race theory and folks are up in arms because they really don't understand what it is. They don't understand the importance of bringing in the ways in which we have all contributed to the making of not just these United States, but the world in general. But my focus is here in the United States. And so we've been miseducated. And because of that, I think that it limits our understanding of who we are and what we can accomplish as people of color, but also as white people, because we don't understand that everyone's contributions really is what helps to make us who we are today. Some of our greatest, greatest and inventors and the people who have made life a little bit easier for us today were people of color, but we don't know their history. We don't know their heritage and therefore we don't know our legacy. And so understanding the cultural contributions of those who came before us has the ability to empower us, to inspire us, to motivate us and to activate us to manifest the greatest selves that we can possibly be. So I am so delighted today that my guest, Benita Reynolds, is is here to talk to us about our legacy and the power of that. She is the cultural artist commissioner for the city of Pomona, but she has done so much more than that. She is actually a retired nurse of 40 years. So I'm sure that there's a lot she could bring in around healthcare, but that's not her focus for today. She is the pastor and founder of Reclaimed Queens in Blue Jeans Ministries, the Queen's Crown Collaborative and Queen Champions. Now they meet at 5 a.m. in the morning, but the beauty of it is, is West Coast time. For those of you who are on the East Coast, it's eight o'clock in the morning for you. And so it's a wonderful opportunity for you to reclaim your queendom. Um, for Benita, one of the things that I want to say is that her ministry is all around uh, this, this idea of being a catalyst of greatness by building others. And I believe that her conversation today around the power of legacy will help us to understand how we can become great, even as we're looking back at those who came before, but as we're building others as well. Uh, I, I will say that in her position as the commissioner, the cultural arts commissioner, she collaborates with others around art policy, um, art in public places, and she she's really been very, very involved in overseeing multiple millions of dollars of art in public places. 
that that is funded annually. So she brings a wealth of information with her around those who came uh, before us and ways in which we can allow art to empower us as well. She is the author of Reclaim, Jewels from the Queen's Crown. There is much more that I could say about my guest today, but I want to get right into it for our dynamic conversation. And uh, Benita, who is also known as Queen V, I usually start by asking my guests to share with us what grounds you. But I think that we know from the introduction that you are grounded in a sacred source and you're grounded in ministry. So I believe that where I want to start with you is why do people call you Queen V? (laughs) Dr. TLC, I have to tell you, that is the funniest thing because I never called myself Queen V, but as I established and founded the ministry and our motto is to straighten your crown, dust off your throne and reclaim your life. So Mm -hmm. we deal with the body, mind and spirit, but the other Queens on my team started calling me Queen V and it just caught on and so here I am, but it's not anything that I ever gave myself. And actually, I have to get used to it because it has become a nickname so much so that people in other realms unrelated to ministry just call me Queen V. So I'm like, OK, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll just go with it. Story. Yeah. So I have had to become comfortable with it. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, I know that your ministry grounds you and I know that you you help to build other folks up. But tell us just a little bit about, we are going to talk about the power of legacy, but just tell us a little bit about this 5 a.m. You know, uh, ministry that you do, because that really is a ministry to get people up and get them on a call at five o'clock in the morning. It really is. I feel like uh, Dr. TLC, that God has pushed me more from pain into power. And by that, I mean, every March since my husband passed in 2018 was a month that all I wanted to do was crawl in the bed with Netflix and think about him and miss him. And this year, I felt like my sacred source said enough of that, enough Mm -hmm. of that. You know, you have whined, you have cried long enough. It's time for you to redeem March. And so I had thought and I had been working on an early morning uh, uh, practice and habit myself. And I thought, you know what, if I invite my queens, whoever's crazy enough to join me, I know, (laughs) I know if I put it out there, I'll be committed to it. And, you know, five minutes after I put it out there, I thought, have you lost your ever-loving mind? (laughs) (laughs) Not only are you going to be up, you are actually going to be up at 4 a.m. because you have to be decent to present to them. But it has been one of the greatest experiences of my life. Hands Mm -hmm. down, it has been wonderful. And is it a Zoom call that early in the morning? It's a Facebook group call. We're a private group. Anybody can join, but they have to want to join because we're we're serious about it, about it, about it. That's what we said. We are A to B. We are audacious enough to believe in growth. And that's what the whole trajectory is about. Mm. So just just curious for the listeners out there, do they have to be all dolled up by the time they- on at Listen. five o'clock in the morning or is it a <laughs> come at your 
No, Dr. TLC, this is the unfair part of it. I'm the only one being seen. Honey, that's they're, still true. In, they're still in bed, probably. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> we well, haven't made it a room yet. I've been trying to get them to make it a room so I can see them as well. But that wasn't what they signed up for. So they they get to see me, you know, ad nauseum, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. So yeah. here's what I think is beautiful about what you're talking about, because I've, I've actually heard you talk on your show a bit about uh, your show, Audacious to Believe, that you really talk about your legacy of just being in church and how that has helped to ground you. So you're already continuing a legacy uh, of, of strong traditions for having a sacred source and that being something to carry you through. So um, I really uh, want to encourage those of you who are interested in getting up at, at five in the morning to, to uh, check out uh, Queen V's uh, information so that you can decide whether it's a place where you want to come. Because what I understand is that, again, it's a catalyst for helping people to live their greatest selves. So we do have to take a quick break already. And we are discussing the power of legacy and culture. We will be right back with my guest today, Benita Reynolds. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. back with Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. TLC. My guest today is Benita Reynolds. Benita is here to talk about the power of legacy. So let's get right into it, Benita. I'm very 
interested to find out what for you is significant about understanding our legacy and where we come from. You know what, Dr. TLC, since I was a little girl, I have loved history. And I was told about different things with family history. I remember my grandfather. Now, I understand my mother is 92 years old. So my grandfather, you know, he's been gone for a few uh, decades now. But he was a great uh, theologian and author when I was a little girl. And he was a, a mentor for other pastors in the um, Baptist tradition. And so I used to travel with him to different conventions, he and my grandmother, and they would be selling their books and uh, Bibles and other things, but they would often talk about the old stories. And I would just put myself in those old stories because mm. I couldn't imagine some things. I'll give you another idea, another example. My grandmother on my uh, paternal side was born in Oklahoma before it was a state. Now, my whole entire life, she was an old woman to me as a <laughs> child. And I thought she was crazy. I thought that could possibly be older than a state. She does not, you know. And we would visit her on her farm in Kentucky. And she would talk about raising her 13 children on the farm by herself during the Depression when bankers were jumping off bridges. Those were her, wow. that was her terminology. Uh -huh. She taught herself to read. She was steps from slavery. And I have always been so enthralled with the grit and the grace of our ancestors. I feel that we pale, I'll speak for myself, pale in comparison to their drive and their perseverance, what they put up with and how they did it with such dignity and grace and just kept going. And they have nothing like we have. You know, well, you know I, I really want to hear more about your great grandmother, but you're reminding me when you say things like we pale in comparison, you know what my mother used to say to me? Sometimes I would talk about, you know, the, the things that I had to do. And my mother would say things like, you know, make sure you're taking care of yourself and you know, I felt like she would was sort of giving me a pass in, in many ways. And I would say, mom, look at all the things that you all had to do. It was nothing. What I'm doing, even though it's mental stress, it's nothing right. compared to what you all have had to do. And you know what she would say to me? Right. And she didn't mean this as an insult. She said, she would say, but you all aren't made of the same stuff wow. that we were made of. I, I think there's something to that. I think there's a lot to that because when I think about what, what and I'd love for you to tell me more about, you know, like about your great grandmother um, in the sense that I know your great grandmother owned um, the, all of this property. So I'd love for you to tell me the story about um, her owning the property and deeding it to her 10 children, because I wonder how she acquired that, you know, uh, during that particular time period. Oh, my goodness, Dr. TLC, I just returned from Kentucky, as you know, with my 92-year-old mother, who is a phenomenal, a phenomenal in her own right, but she started unfolding the stories that I had not heard my entire life. I had heard, you know, little clips, you know, clip notes here, a little bit here, a little bit there, but she started talking about remembering her grandmother 
Now, my mother's own mother died when she was three years old. She doesn't really remember her. But her grandmother, her mother's mother, she remembers well because she spent so much time in her home. And she told me that this woman had 15 children, five died in infancy and childhood. She, the remaining 10 she had, she raised Dr. TLC by herself because her husband died when she was pregnant with the 10th. Wow. Now, this woman was a housekeeper, maid, cook, and washerwoman for the community. My mother said she remembers her home just being full of uh, rolls, you know, laundry strung everywhere that she was doing for the white people, primarily in town. And she never made much money. But this is where they were so brilliant. She worked for a judge. Mm -hmm. She was his cook. And when he would have other lawyers around the table, you know how they learn to be quiet and invisible and listen? She learned and she starts saving her money. And her husband apparently also, I have to give him credit, was brilliant because the word was how he took the Wall Street Journal. And they were very progressive and proactive. But what she did in 1964, uh, she had bought the land years earlier, but in, I'm sorry, 63. In 63, she had it divided and separated for her 10 children, had it legally set up so that it should not be sold outside of the family, that it should be offered to family first. Well, regrettably, that's not happening. And there are reasons for that. The property was not stolen. I'll make that very clear. But this is where, in my opinion, the racism part comes in and systems of racism. It's not that that particular property was stolen, but because of systemic, systematic racism, they felt desperate to have to sell their legacy. So all of the property is not there, but my heartbeat is to get it all back. So <laughs> it all back. You know, I, I find it's... This is a powerful conversation because really what you're, when we talk about systemic racism, we're saying that there are multiple levels of racism that are put into place. I appreciate you saying it was stolen because we do know that there was a lot of stealing that mm -hmm. went on. But when you are in a place of desperation, you are going to sell and there are ways in which folks can convince you to sell what's yours because they also understand the value of your property. And sometimes we have gotten, I think in this later generation, we don't understand the value of what our ancestors went yeah. through. And I think that the point that you're making about your great grandmother, I mean, first of all, so many kernels you pull out of there. One, the power of listening because- mm -hmm. They had to listen and learn at the right. same time because they said, there's a way out of this for me, right? And so you talk about that. And then they, when, when they listened, they also watched and began to model what they did. And so I think that a part of what happens is, is the telling of these stories to the cousins, to the aunties, to all of that, but repeating them over and over um, like you, I, I actually, um, I grew up with a family of where we owned land and everybody in our neighborhood owned land. And I actually thought that that was 
Yes. Given I grew up thinking this is what happens in our area. Wasn't until I was an adult and I really began to see how land was acquired and understood that when we talk about racism, there's a concept uh, called, uh, this may be too much for folks, but there's a concept in, in critical race theory that talks about whiteness as property. Who gets to own, who gets to dispossess, who gets to, you know, uh, can distribute all of those things, right? And so with that concept, it's, there's an understanding that there is power in the ownership. Yes. And sometimes what happens is if we're kind of thinking about our legacy and we don't know it and understand, we miss out on what it will take to get not just us, but the next generation to where we want them to be. And so this understanding of dismantling the systemic racism, it's about helping us to understand that even when we need money, even when we, there might be some deficits in other areas, there's more for us to do if we're going to rise from what our ancestors have given us. There's more for us to do to not only help ourselves, but the next generation as well. Oh, absolutely, Dr. TLC, you hit the uh, nail with a big hammer. You covered so many succinct points and you are absolutely right. But uh, as you know, because this is your field and you're so adept and, and flexible and nimble in it, is that, you know, um, dismantling racism is such a ingrained systemic process that we have to go, we have to peel through layers yeah. and layers and layers. Now, about 25 years ago, and I regret it to this day. It occurred to me that we needed to really bolster that property, talk to, talk to the other heirs, make sure that everyone knew that, you know what, before you go outside the family, offer it to the family. There's no shame in that. But we were negligent in doing that. People mm. had, you know, family had spread all over the country, all over the world. And, every, and a lot of uh, of us were so short-sighted that we thought, oh, I never want to live in Kentucky. Well, that is prime property right now. Mm. In fact, when I went to the deed office, and the, this is when we have angels and allies with people of other races. Everyone I spoke to in Kentucky was wonderful to us. And I was shocked because that wasn't what I expected. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the ladies at the deed office said, whatever you do with this property, don't sell it for cheap. This is great land. Well, I didn't tell her, no, honey, I'm coming to buy. We're not selling nothing. <laughs> right. Not an inch. Not right. an inch will we right. give up again. But um, it is so important that we impart, like you said, to those coming behind us, mm. what it took. I mm. think they don't realize what it took being steps from slavery to have to fight and scratch your way through. You know, mm. it's not so easy to get property right now for a lot of us. Can you imagine what it was for them? And so I feel, doctor, as a uh, 440 relay person, like I've got a baton in front of me that I'm reaching for and I've got one behind me that I'm reaching back. I am so passionate about young people knowing how to create generational wealth, even if their family didn't leave them anything, that they can do it. And that every generation doesn't have to be bootstrapped. Every right. generation. Well, 
you know, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about that. We do have to take a, a break because I really would love for you to to really offer some ideas around how we don't have to stay stuck where we are. And I do just want to say, you are really speaking my language, but you're also making me think, again, there have been times I said, oh, no, I have no intentions of moving back, right? You know, I'm from Mississippi. I have no intentions mm-hmm. of moving back. But first and foremost, we don't ever know where we're going to end right. up. That's the first thing. But even if I'm not going to move back, there's the property and the land that your family has worked so hard to get. Now, what do you do with that? And I do believe that it's critical to tell the stories and to show the young people, some of whom are still living on the land and not maybe valuing it in the same way to to say you got here because of the people who came before you. But we'll be right back to hear a little bit more about your passion and your vision for helping folks to, um, you know, gain generational wealth. Uh, This is Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be back to talk about the power of legacy. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you a cannabis enthusiast, a cannabis professional, or interested in entering the cannabis space? I'm Johnny Tsunami, and this is Planet Baco Lolo, a less taboo view. On our show, we will discuss the cannabis world through the perspective of various cannabis professionals. Tune in every Thursday evening, Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m., Talk Radio NYC, Planet Baco Lolo, a less taboo view. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
We are back with Queen V, Benita Reynolds. We are talking about the power of legacy and culture. And before the break, we were talking with you, Queen V, about the land that your your great-grandmother established that was given to 10 of her children. And and then also, I believe you said your grandmother had 13 children Mm -hmm. as well. So so it, it, it's uh, continued a little bit with there being this um, beautiful family who's inherited this property. And we've talked about some of the difficulties with keeping the property, but we're also talking about why you think it's important to recover the ancestral land and building uh, a legacy of wealth. So can you talk just a little bit more around your passion about that? And then how do we get to this place of um, helping to build this generational wealth? Well, that is a whole mouthful, <laughs> Dr. TLC. <clears throat> it was interesting when I discussed this, the prospects of doing something with the land with my cousins who uh, were also heirs to some of it. And they were like, oh, we're never moving back to Kentucky. I'm like, but that does not mean that we can be small minded, you know? And so I started getting into my faith tradition and praying. And what came to me when I came back home was campus. Because I really wanted some place where young people could come because I'm a firm believer that you can't go where you can't see. And it had always bothered me, like you spoke of, doctor, of your family and all the property. Well, what has really become so uh, interesting to me in my research is that was more the norm. After Reconstruction, after slavery, Black folks were on task to get property, to have family ancestral homes. They were about building. And we don't recognize that enough. So on the property that we have, I'd love to have a Reconstruction Museum. I don't know if there is such a thing, but that would tell the stories of the common man. You know, we we talk about Biddy Mason and her phenomenal story as a slave woman that walked behind, walked 1700 miles behind horse carriages and such. And she became a huge philanthropist in California. There's a park to her, but there were common unknown people like my great grandmother, like your ancestors that still had such a vision for us. Well, I feel that we owe it to them Mm. to do something with it. And I think about Kentucky, and I don't know, I've never lived in Kentucky, but just with the political system there and the powers that be, and their data that says that they have some of the worst health metrics, they have some of the lowest education metrics among African Americans, that there's work to be done. So I am feeling the need to start a school there. First, I need to start a foundation, you know, do all that is required build a school, build a campus, have a, a, uh, because it's beautiful, um, you know, horse land, build Mm -hmm. sustainable gardening, show them what it looks like to thrive Mm -hmm. on their terms, not Mm -hmm. on white folks' property, Mm -hmm. but on their terms, what ownership looks like, and that they can have it, and that they can do it, and that they can be it. That's really important to me. And I feel like that's kind of a call on my life. It seems like I'm always reclaiming something, you know? 
<laughs> well, you well, you are reclaiming, and maybe you'll have to move back to Kentucky for a little bit just to I, do uh, to do I, because yes, that is what you're saying is a huge undertaking, but it is a much much needed one. And when I hear you talk about Betty Mason, you you know you you talked about her really quickly, but even her story for understanding the power of legacy, I know, is something that drives you. And the work that you do. And I think that since we're talking about uncovering uh, racism and dismantling it on this show, her story is a powerful one because it talked, she did some really great things in California that a lot of people don't know about. And if we were to hear her story, it would inspire us, even, even when we are not trying to walk 1700 miles like she's doing. When we are in the jobs that we're doing and the careers that we're doing, if we could hold on to somebody like a Biddy Mason and say, yeah. if she could do it, I could do it. But so many folks don't know her story. Absolutely. And one of the most powerful parts of her story, Dr. TLC, is that when she got to California, because I don't know her being a slave, she was uh, torn from her family. I think she was from Alabama and sold as a child by mm. herself. Mm -hmm. to these white folks in Mississippi. So mm -hmm. I don't think that she ever had any concept of what freedom lo would look like for her. But mm -hmm. when she got to California, the providential, you know, uh, sacred intelligence, as we love to coin it, made provision for her and wrapped the community around her. The mm -hmm. interesting thing about her story is that her daughter, one of her daughters, her oldest, by that time was a young woman. Now, there were many free ex-slaves, former slaves in California, but no uh, slavery was illegal in California. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> Benny's daughter fell in love with a young man. He fell in love with her. The family, uh, the community coalesced around her. And these were freed former slaves. Mm -hmm. And they made it their endeavor that Biddy and the other slaves that were with her would not ever go back to slavery because what happened was the master once he realized California was free I guess he wasn't the brightest light bulb you know <laughs> in the shed I don't know what he thought but anyway he was afraid of his slaves being taken from him so he was going to go to Texas where they could remain slaves mm -hmm. the community Dr. TLC got whiff of it and said oh no Oh no, mm -hmm. he moved them all the way to from San Bernardino to a ranch in Malibu, mm -hmm. California to mm -hmm. hide them. Mm -hmm. And the community got sheriffs and went after them. And these were former slaves with money that had done well and had influence. And they went, got Biddy Mason and the other former slaves and they were primarily mainly women. And I realized that the reason for that is because with this long journey, men would have escaped, but the mm -hmm. women couldn't because mm -hmm. they had children. Mm -hmm. They weren't going to leave their babies. Right. So what happened was so interesting. And I pray that someone does a movie or something of Biddy Mason's story. But what happened was that they had them uh, incarcerated, put in jail, actually put in jail to save them from being kidnapped by the slave owner until it went to trial. And at trial, the, the, because the slave owner had so many shenanigans going in with trying to get them out of uh, jail, uh, he tried to bribe and drunken the guards. You know, this is way, way, way back when, I guess when you could go up to jails and do that sort of thing. 
But the judge was so enraged at his behavior, that one decision, uh, I mean, that one uh, particular uh, misbehavior on the part of the slave owner softened the heart of the judge and said, no, they'll never be slaves again. And that's mm-hmm. how Biddy Mason won her freedom. So I want to, so there, there are several things in, 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 um, that you're saying that's really, really critical. And that is the power of community. We are often taught, particularly as people of color, as black people, we always use that phrase crabs in a barrel. And we think that we're always trying to pull each other down. But what you're actually saying in that story is, and this is a stereotype Mm -hmm. that we need to dismantle, is that we do have the power of working together. All of these people, you know, gathered around this enslaved woman to say, look, no, we're going to protect you. The second thing that I think is important, and this is particularly important for white people, because oftentimes when I work with white people in the classes that I offer, they they talk about feeling so overwhelmed and what can I do? All it takes is one person deciding that they're going to do something different. Because this judge, who I'm assuming was white, given the time, decided that it is important for me not to send this woman back into um, slavery, into chattel slavery, right? So he's saying that she is no longer an enslaved person. She is going to be free. And I think that that's important. So if our listeners out there would just understand that all it takes is the commitment and deciding that you're going to change and decide that you're going to live your values. But the other thing that I think that you said that was really critical that I want to get in before the break is this. You 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 mentioned uh, our sacred intelligence, which I, of course, um, love that you acknowledge that we all have this sacred intelligence, because for me, it is our ability to go inward, to tap in to that divine part of us that allows us to make decisions that are that's going to uh, manifest our greatness. So if we tap into the inner part of who we are, we know that we're not meant to be enslaved. We're not meant to be impoverished. We're not meant to stay in these systems of oppression. So the part about dismantling racism for me as a person of color is that I don't have to believe what the oppressor tells me. And that I get to do my part because inside of me is something that is much bigger than what's on the outside. So my thing would be if our listeners, those people who are of color, particularly to know that you have the power, you have the strength to also dismantle the internalized racism, because we all at some point began to believe the lies that the system tells us if we're not careful. So our sacred intelligence is what says to us, no, 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 baby. You're meant to be more than enslaved and make no mistake about it. Even though our period of chattel enslavement has ended, there are ways that we still continue to be in bondage and we have to break free of that bondage ourselves. And we are asking our white siblings to help be a part of this freedom for people of color so that we don't stay stuck in those places. But we do have to take a a quick break. This is so exciting uh, to talk about. And so when we come back, um, 
I would love for you to talk about uh, your African-American Legacy Collaborative, uh, your ancestral uh, foundation that you, which I think you've already started to talk about with talking about the school. I will come. As soon as you build it, I want to be one of those people to come and to visit and be a part of that that cutting the ribbon uh, on that. Um, But we will be right back with Dismantle Racism. We're talking about the power of legacy and culture today with Queen V, Benita Reynolds. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Do you feel uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with Dismantle Racism. I'm so excited today because I believe that I stand on the shoulders, the backs, the the entire body of my ancestors. So I'm delighted to be talking with Queen B today about the power of our legacy. Um, I know, Queen B, that you are uh, interested in establishing a foundation um, and you've talked a bit about your vision already for your ancestral property. Say more about the foundation that you want to establish. Well, you know, I'm already wanting to reach out to other heirs of uh, people that have ancestral property or ancestral heritage. It doesn't have to be necessarily properly property related, but have the stories. And that's for the museum part, for the honoring part. I want to name the foundation, of course, after my great-grandmother. And I did mention to you, I think, doctor, uh, that she deeded this property and had it all uh, legally sound in 1963 and died in 1964. Wow. So it was one of the major last things that she did. And that just sits with me. 
Mm. You know, that just stays with me. And there are some things that just stay with me. I think about the slave ships all the time. Mm. And, you know, think about how they, we are here because they refuse to die. Yes. When it would have been easier Mm. to die. Mm -hmm. Everybody didn't decide to live. Everybody Mm. couldn't. Mm. But you know what? We are the heirs of the strongest. Yeah. That willed. That yeah, will, no, no, yeah. will themselves to live. Mm. And so that propels me. And every time I think about that, I think, you know, every time the foundation and the vision seems so big, what I always know is that provision follows vision. And mm. if billionaires can get on, you know, space shuttles because they have a vision for it, we can build a campus. And we use it to uplift our people. And I love something that you said, Dr. T, it was so, Dr. TLC, so powerful. You said about, you spoke of the myth of black folks and the crab in the barrel mentality. I've always hated that because Mm. that's not true to our history. We would not be here if we didn't help each other. Right. We could not have survived. We wouldn't have had the historical black colleges. We would not have NAACP. It goes on and on and on. All the civil rights movement, those people, the Harlem Renaissance, we have a culture of working together. Now, do we have in-family fighting like every other community does? Absolutely. Absolutely. And (laughs) And we're boisterous and bold with it. But we are a magnificent people. You know, we and I don't discount or just diminish anybody else, but I'm speaking of my own. We are a magnificent people. And Mm. I just really know that it is our season to rise. And you know what? I may not live to see the fulfillment of all that, you know, is within me, but I want to have it solid enough so that it can be built on and built on. Yes. Yeah. Queen B, I can see how you inspire people uh, in in the work that you do. So I feel that um, there are a couple of things that I need to do, particularly as one who who really teaches and trains around dismantling racism. Um, you know, I want to just uh, to offer this, if we could use in our language, enslaved people as opposed to slaves, because... Yeah. They were enslaved and they were they were taken into slavery because we have to be careful about our language, do we not? Because absolutely, we are already uh, devalued in this yes. country. And yes. when you take the people away and call them slaves, it kind of devalues them a little mm-hmm. bit. And I I was thinking about something else that you said, um, because I've always seen it this way, too. We've always been taught you're part of the people who survived the Middle Passage. And so you're the strong ones. You're this, you're that. And all of that is true. It is so true. But I'm also growing more to respect the fact that there were people who said, I'll die before I become an enslaved person. And so I think that there's an honor even Mm -hmm. for our ancestors Mm -hmm. who chose to to jump into that ocean when they had an opportunity, who chose to say, I'm going away to another land that's outside of this. And so I think that we have to get to that point too, that we honor them. And so I just want to take the opportunity to do that because 
that took some courage to jump into an ocean of sharks and cold water and this and that, and knowing that your life was going to end. And there are people throughout our history who made that decision, even when they were enslaved. Yes. Yes. Now, now that doesn't take away anything from the people Mm -hmm. who went through enslavement and beyond. Because as you tell the story of your great grandmother, man, the sixties were not great times. And for her to own this land in Kentucky and for her to have the presence of mind that I'm going to deed this land and no one took it from her is significant. And we need to tell more of those stories. And so you have actually given me quite a bit to, to chew on here today, even as I think about the, the land that's that's our family property. And we often talk about what can we do in with this land? It's just kind of sitting here in some ways, right? And so how do we honor the people who came before us? And I think in your role as commissioner, when you when you talk about culture and art, how do you bring in that legacy into the work that you do? Because I believe like all people, we are so brilliant. You know, all of us are. Every ethnicity, every culture, every background. And what I really love about my city is that they breathe, we breathe diversity. We have uh, Native um, uh, Americans. We have, of course, the Latinx community, African-American, Asian-American, and everybody is included. We don't discriminate against anyone. Because something you said was so important, uh, Dr. TLC, everything you said was so important, but I'm getting nuggets. And I am really gleaning from you. It's hard for me to talk because I want to hear you. Um, But we, uh, when we uplift each other, every race, every culture, every ethnicity, it uplifts us all. That's what where we get it twisted. For some reason, the people that are racist and denying and trying to drive us back and drive us down don't realize that they are diminishing themselves. Right. They're diminishing themselves. Because when we come together and we are the full kaleidoscope mm. of sacred intelligence, what couldn't we accomplish yeah. on this planet? If we learn to celebrate, collaborate, and, you know, cooperate with each other, it would just be such a powerful place to be. And so the vision that I have, even though it is primarily for at-risk, disadvantaged, you know, uh, predominantly African-American youth, it is open to everybody because Mm -hmm. everybody deserves to be the best that they can be. That's right. That is so wonderful. I love that you talked about the kaleidoscope. Queen V, we are at the end of our time together. It has been an amazing, amazing time. I really want to to have you back again and at some point again to talk about this this legacy and this this wonderful campus that you want to build. I am am in alignment with you and Mm -hmm. I will visualize with you for that to happen. But I know our audience wants to know, how can they learn more about you or be in touch with you? Well, they can reach me. I have a a private Facebook group called Reclaim Queens and Blue Jeans Ministry. They can ask to be added to that. 
you can find us at queendandre.com for our website. And I would just love to hear from everybody. We're on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, all of them. <laughs> okay, great. So, so with that, we only have just a few more seconds left. Could you offer our audience a, a blessing as we go? Absolutely. I bless everyone that is viewing this sacred intelligence broadcast. And I, my hopes and deepest desires for you are that you find the secret intelligence within yourself that is always drawing us home. In every story that we ever share, I believe everyone's deepest desire is for home, where they are valued, where they are accepted, where they are appreciated. And I, my hopes are that you find that within yourself first mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. your heart is always home. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Queen V, for being with us today. This is Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where Sam helps you walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time. Bye. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Innings. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. 
Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 